Thank you for listening to our podcast today here at Word of Life. Our prayer is that when you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. We want to make sure you know all about our new online campus. Visit thelifeonline.cc to find our brand new platform where you can find short messages on topics like prophecy, forgiveness, healing, and so much more. Each month, we release multiple new series for you to be able to grow in the knowledge of God and the Bible. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Uh, If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, open them up with me to the book of Mark, and we're going to look at Mark chapter 14, Uh, and we'll start off here in verse number one. Uh, There's uh, some passages of scripture here that have been near and dear to my heart, uh, really the last couple of weeks, and we want to take this series as a time to just expound on them uh, and teach on them. Uh, I also want to say, if you're getting water baptized today, we are so amazed by your decision. Can we give it up for everyone who's getting water baptized? Uh, That's awesome. And if you did not plan on getting water baptized uh, today but would like to, you can. In fact, some of my favorite uh, water baptismal stories are those that were spontaneous. Uh, and we have everything you need, which means you have no excuse uh, from a change of clothes uh, to like hair dryers to tents you can change in. If you've never taken that step before, this weekend is a great uh, weekend for you to take that step. And I think it'll be very memorable for you if you choose to do so. But uh, here in the book of Mark, we're going to read a story. Uh, that uh, we've based this kind of series around. It starts in verse number one, and it says, Now the Passover and unleavened bread were two days away, and the chief priests and scribes were seeking how to seize him by stealth and kill him. Uh, For they were saying, Not during the festival, otherwise there might be a riot of the people. And while he, he being Jesus, was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, this was a a man that Jesus did a miracle for, he was leprous, and Jesus healed him and cleansed him, and now he's in this man's home. He's reclining at his table. There came a woman with an alabaster box of very costly perfume, a pure spikenard, and she broke the vial and emptied it, poured it over his head. But some were very indignant. And remarked to one another, why was this perfume wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii. Now, let's just stop right here because, you know, sums and figures, it's like, what in the world is 300 denarii? Um, A denarii was a basic day's wage. One denarii equaled one day worth of work. Um, And so the equivalent would be um, the average Mississippian median income, uh, you know, whatever that may be, we'll just say 35,000 or whatever figure that may be. Uh, If it took you all year to work for something, which how many of you know, most of us aren't working every day, uh, so out of that, we'll just say 300 days out of the year, it would represent that wage. One denarii equaled the average day's wage in that time. So here you have something that is worth um, an entire year's worth of work. Uh, It's worth tens and tens of thousands of dollars in today's value. And she pours it all over him. She empties it on Jesus. And verse 5, the perfume might have been sold for 300 denarii. 
and the money given to the poor, and they were scolding her. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed for me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. And truly, and this is, was an amazing prophecy, because here we are today doing it, truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, uh, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her, uh, a memorial of her, of this act of affection. Uh, One of my heart's desires, more so than ever before, has been to raise up a church uh, that has large amounts of affection and devotion for Jesus, that this is not something that we're doing because this is the it church to come to in the moment. Uh, This is not something that we're excited about campuses, and that's why we're attending Uh, This is not because we're really good at marketing and branding and those types of things, um, that you come here because you're developing a devotion for Jesus, and it seems as if this place is helping with that. That is what we want, and that is what we desire. And the reason why I love this story so much is because this woman had that. She had a devotion and a love and an awe of Jesus, uh, so much so that she demonstrated it by this great act of sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, people would sacrifice because they had to. The wages of sin was death, and so you would bring something valuable that you would offer to God in your stead. Uh, that instead of you dying, this bull would die or this lamb would die, and it would pay the penalty for your sin. So when you read the Old Testament, especially like the books of Leviticus and all those types of things, you're basically reading the sacrificial system where people are offering God something that costs them. And they were doing this because the law demanded it. It would make up for their bad actions. It would make up for their sin. The blood of something that was guiltless would cover the guilty. Uh, That because they had guilt and sin in their life, they would take something that committed no sin and they would offer it as a sacrifice and that blood offering would cover their mistakes. And this kept them in harmony and union with God. And when they did this uh, correctly, it opened up the blessing and the protection, protection of God. Uh, But God's heart was never to have his people sacrificing because of law. He was looking for a time to redeem them. And all redemption is, is him buying you back for himself. You were bought with a price. Your life is not your own for him. Uh, He is a jealous God, and he wants nothing more than to be a possessor of you. That he has your affection, and he has your attention, and he has your devotion. And so Jesus came to contend for that and offered himself as a sacrifice. Uh, That instead of us now having to bring a bull or a goat to church, I am very thankful as uh, a pastor uh, that I am not having to offer up all of that today for you, uh, that we have a lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. 
uh, who poured out his blood for us uh, that the guilt, uh, guiltless could die for the guilty. That one blood, one lamb now would cover all of the guilty and all who had committed sin now could call upon his name. But in the New Testament, uh, sacrifice is not done away with. In fact, sacrifice is a core element of our Christian faith and something that, as you see from this story, is very rare. Uh, The title of this morning's message is simply this, What's Your Alabaster? Uh, Here you see Jesus in a moment where he is sitting at the house of a man he healed. Uh, This man was a leper, and for those of you who kind of know Bible knowledge, like leprosy is not a big thing we wrestle with in Mississippi today, Uh, but uh, if you know Scripture, you know that when you contracted leprosy, uh, they felt it was very contagious, so they would kick you out of your society. Now, to put that in the grand scheme of things, imagine if you contracted a disease today that as soon as you got it, you would never be able to see your children again or kiss them before they went to school. Uh, you would never be able to hold the, your, the, the hand of your wife again or the hand of a spouse. You would never be able to like go to dinner with some friends. Uh, you would never be able to have all the things that make life truly rich and warm and wonderful, and that is the connection that we all share with each other. You would never be able to uh, uh, attend an assembly like this where you sit close to someone else. There was a stigma on this disease. There was a, a stigma on this type of issue that ostracized people from everyone. Uh, But because of Jesus, how many of you know Jesus can take the stigma off of you? I don't care what stigma the world has tried to put on you, culture has tried to put on, Jesus can take the stigma off of you. Jesus entered into this man's life named Simon, took his issue away from him, redeemed him, restored him, and now Simon the leper is at a table with Jesus and his closest followers And because of the work of Jesus in his life, no one is running. It's this beautiful moment. Uh, And yet everyone is taking it for granted. Uh, The disciples are sitting there watching this. They have not just seen the miraculous done in in Simon's life. Uh, They have seen and been an eyewitness, uh, they said, when they were writing the Gospels. An eyewitness of Jesus' marvelous miracles, the raising of the dead, the feeding of the 5,000. They have seen uh, the master walk on water at this point. Watched him curse wind and waves and they would be still. Peter has walked on water with the Lord. Uh, They have seen all of this done and yet a woman walks in with an alabaster box. Uh, Alabaster was a precious stone. Think of marble. It would be the akin of what we would think today of marble. Uh, But the difference between it and marble is it was softer, and so you could hew it out. And so they would take these alabaster boxes, and they would hew them out and create a container and fill it with precious ointment, fill it with things uh, that would make it very valuable, and then they would seal it with wax, it would become something that would be forever like an heirloom that you could pass from one generation to the next. And we're familiar with some of these things in our culture. There are some things that if you buy it today, it's worth more later. 
Uh, and it's very rare, but there are some things that like when you, you find like maybe it's a certain watch or a certain vehicle that if you take care of it and you, you keep it, you know that when it gets handed to the next generation, uh, it's an heirloom, it will be worth more then than it is now. And that's what this was. And by the time it entered into this woman's life, it was worth, uh, we'll just say, $35,000. Whatever the average median income is here in Mississippi, that. Uh, very valuable. And she has it in her possession. And when everyone sees it, they understand what it is. It would be like you seeing like someone with a very nice purse or a very nice watch or a very nice ring. And immediately you know about how much that costs. Um, and they knew this, like this was a status symbol. If you had this, you had income, you had means. So when she pulls this out, everybody's attention goes to it. She's got something very valuable, um, very precious. And they watch her do what is in their mind the complete unthinkable. She breaks it open. And when she breaks it open, she empties it on Jesus. And they're watching this, and they get indignant. Uh, Has anyone ever looked at you, and when they looked at you, you felt like they were disgusted with you? (laughs) Have you ever felt like, and you've got to watch this as parents, the Lord knows I have to watch this, that sometimes we can look at our children, and when we look at them, they can see the disappointment on us. And the look is resonating far more than the words. It's it's like the the woman at the well whose life was like in complete sin and like chaos. But when she saw Jesus, him looking on her, loved her. (laughs) Do you know that even in your sin today, when the Lord looks at you, he doesn't look at you and, and he's disgusted with you. He looks at you and he loves you. But here you have, yes, we can celebrate that. Here we have a woman who is sacrificing, not because if she doesn't, her fridge will stop working in seven months. Uh, She is not trying to pay the Lord. Uh, She is not coming to him with a bull or a goat saying, if I give you this, will you give me this? This is not bartering. This is not trading. This is not investing. This is nothing but pure devotion for Lord Jesus that everyone else at the table had been taking for granted. And it meant something to the Lord because sacrifice always does. In this New Testament, when you come with these types of moments where you go beyond something of just the routine, of the common And you go deeper in your walk with the Lord and everyone else is kind of living this way and you're making a decision of like, I could live that way, but for you, Lord, I'll live holy and I'll offer my body as a sacrifice unto the Lord, which is my reasonable service. That when you come and it's like, you know what, I get everyone else is watching this and even in the context of Christianity, I could come up with reasons why I could as well, but I choose to live holy and you give God that sacrifice, it honors him and he remembers it. And what we have today is a lot of people, especially in the Western world where Christianity has become very popular, and maybe we see some of that shifting today, which could really see who really is a Christian. 
um, and those types of things. But in our, our Western world, there's so much done out of convenience when it comes to our walk with God. And, and we fall into these patterns as Christians where our giving is automatic and nothing wrong with that. It helps things when giving is you know, done regularly and consistently. But we kind of go through these motions and all of a sudden through being so familiar with Jesus and so familiar with church, it becomes convenient and the sacrifice begins to stop. And then someone comes in with this love and devotion that immediately makes us see what worship really is. She breaks it. She breaks it. And she literally empties it and pours it out on Jesus. And Jesus' closest followers are indignant with her. It's amazing, like it seems like in Scripture, the people who got more familiar with Jesus, who saw the most works, took him the granite the most. There was a moment where Jesus walked in into someone's house, and he walks in with all of his disciples, and uh, he sits there, and while he sits there, no one has offered him any water for his feet, and this was just customary. Like, this was like, you would do this for anybody who would come in your home. Uh, you know, people were walking then, you have sandals, let me get a basin of water and a rag, and even if I don't wash your feet, let me give you the chance to wash your feet, because this honors you, and it also honors the home. And Jesus walks into this home, and no one, not the disciples, not the guy whose home it was, thinks to even offer Jesus a basin of water for his feet. And a woman busts in, who is a, a woman of the night, uh, and has this moment where apparently she encountered the love of Jesus, and she makes a decision to pour out her love upon him. And while they had offered no water for his feet, she sees his dirty feet because in the Eastern culture, you're not sitting at a, in a chair facing a table. You are kneeling, which means your feet are behind you. So you, your feet are behind you and you're facing the table. When she walks in and sees Jesus, she notices not one person at the table had offered in anything to Jesus to take care of this. And she's so in love with the Lord that all of a sudden this well of emotion just begins to pour out of her and she is literally washing the feet of Jesus with her tears and drying uh, his feet with her hair. And everyone sitting at the table, including the disciples, are saying, Lord, if you knew what type of woman this was, my question is, is how did they know what type of woman this was? <laughs> Lord, if you knew what type of woman this was, you would not allow her to be doing this, which I think showed Jesus exactly how much work he still had to do within their own hearts. And him, Jesus, it says, knowing their thoughts, <laughs> because God can read your mind, um, knowing their thoughts, said, uh, Peter, if you had someone who owed $20 and you forgave them of that debt, and then you had another person who owed $100,000 and you forgave them of that debt, who do you suppose would love you more? He said, I suppose the person who I forgave $100,000. He said, you've said correctly. He said, I walked in this place and not one, not one of you 
offered me even water for my feet. But this woman whose sin was great, since the moment she entered, has not stopped watering my feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. And he turned at the woman and said, woman, you are forgiven. (laughs) The love of Jesus. I desire so strongly uh, to raise up uh, a church that loves the Lord Jesus, that moves to the point of sacrifice, that what this, this whole thing is about is us coming to a place where we are in awe of him, and we are not just eating with Simon the leper, but we see Simon the leper, and we see the work that God has done in all of our lives. His mercy, his grace, his love, his healing, his provision, his protection. And out of that, it moves us to sacrifice, not because we have to, because we are under the law, but it moves us to a point of sacrifice where our whole world is being poured out like an offering unto the Lord, and we are worshiping him in the beauty of holiness, and our love for him is getting ever more real, and his presence to us is getting ever more thick, and we are moving over into something where it is not just a Sunday morning Christianity, and that's enough, but it's a living, breathing reality where we are his bride and he is our groom and he is the shepherd and we are the sheep and we are dwelling together in the beauty of holiness. And that this sacrifice is done incredibly willingly by you. Uh, Go over if you have your scriptures. We're we're in Mark. Let's go to the book of Philippians Uh, and let's look at this. Philippians chapter 2, this passage of scripture has been a golden text for me uh, for the the year of of 2022, Uh, that uh, this is just what I mean by golden text, it's kind of like a guidebook for this year, and it says this in Philippians 2 and verse number 1, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of my love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintain love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's a word, isn't it? Imagine if we lived in a world where everyone regarded others as more important than themselves. Imagine if we lived in a world where other nations regarded other nations as more important than themselves. Um, This is the mind of Christ. Um, And he says, this is what I want from you. Do nothing, verse 3, in selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests but also the interest of others. Have this mind, this attitude, this belief system in yourselves, which was also in Christ, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. He emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, for this reason also. That's important. 
If you're taking notes, you can underline it. For this reason, for this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name which is above every other name. Notice verse uh, 5 again. Have this attitude, this mind in yourselves. What attitude? Verse 7. He emptied himself. This woman emptied this veil, uh, this, this vial. She poured literally it all out on the head of Jesus. Everyone there is like, what in the world are you doing emptying that? And Christ is thinking, she's finally got it. Christ emptied himself. See, the reason why we see so little of God's power in our world today is because we live so full, full of our interests, full of our plans, full of our desires, full of what we want, full of what we want to see God do. We live so full. The goal is not to live full. The goal is to live a fasted life where we are emptying ourselves and allowing the Lord to fill us up, that we are the equivalent of the Old Testament miracle, that when we pour out ourselves, the Lord fills us back up. And as long as we are pouring out, the more the Lord is filling. We keep pouring, the Lord keeps filling. We keep pouring and the Lord keeps filling. So that all that remains in you is what God has put in you. Uh, That in you is godly desire and godly dreams and godly appetites and godly hunger. That there are things that your soul begins to hunger and thirst for because you so emptied yourself out through sacrifice that now you are filled up with only the Lord and his desire for you. And this is what sacrifice is. It's emptying yourself of pride. It's emptying yourself sometimes of food. It's emptying yourself sometimes, uh, for many of you, baptism today is an emptying of yourself, taking the time to get wet for Jesus. Uh, it's, it's not just getting wet. It's a, it's a process of humility. I belong to him, and I want the whole world to see it. What is that? It's emptying yourself. What is tithing? It's emptying yourself. What is giving beyond that? It's emptying yourself. This year, the Lord has has led me to empty myself. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? For starters, for this ministry, uh, the process of emptying, we've already given away $700,000 this year to missionaries and other ministries. It's the most we've ever given in the history of our church. To give that away in two months is, is amazing. But why are we doing it? We esteem others as more important than ourselves. There's a lot we could do with that money. For Poindexter, there's a lot we could do for, with that money. Uh, for Fondren, there's a lot we could do for that money here at Lakeland. We could build a fountain. One day we will have a fountain out there. There's a lot we could do for Island Colony. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Somebody says, well, why would you do it? I love him more. I love him more. I love him more than I love this. And what sacrificial living is, is this this process of coming and saying, God, I want to empty myself. I want to love you. I want to be devoted to you. I see that so many of my passions are so full of me, of what I want for me, of what I want to do. I'm so full of self. I'm so full of this. And then somebody comes along that reduces self and pours them all out. And we're like, is it really necessary to give like that? Worship like that? 
fast like that? Is it really, I mean, like, aren't we setting the rules just a little strict here to say we can't watch that or delete that? And there's a scorn that comes in sometimes even from believers when Christians get real serious about love and coming and saying, no, 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 like, I, I understand what you're saying. And there were moments like that where I was sitting around the table and Simon was sitting there too, and I didn't really see all that. But then my eyes were open. I had ears that could hear and a heart that could understand that God loves me and his miracles are all around me, that every good thing in my life is because he gave it to me, that of him, I, without him, I am nothing. And with him, he is the source of every good thing in my life. And so you're looking at me wondering, how could you? I'm looking at me like, how could I not how could I not like this is what he means to me and it's not about any of these other types of things he can do for me this is what he means to me and God is like and for this reason and for this reason of you being willing to empty yourself here comes a grace upon you that the same hand you humbled yourself under is now the same hand that lifts you up Uh, that the same hand you came under into sacrifice and obedience is the same hand that is now behind your back. Um, My sons have taught me this principle this year more than I could ever teach it to myself. Uh, I'll say more than ever, I'm mindful of my children's imperfections, which has also made me incredibly mindful of why God gave them me and their mother Uh, is because they need us. How many of you understand when you see the imperfections of your children, don't be alarmed. That's why God gave them you. They need you uh, and those types of things. So don't get me wrong. I understand uh, that all of us and our children are works in progress. Uh, But let me brag on my boys here real quick. Uh, So my sons uh, just had birthdays. One turned 14 and another one turned nine. And out of that, of course, people are very generous to them and very gracious to them, family and ourselves and that type of thing. And there are are people who love us and love them and are liberal with that love. And and so my oldest son, uh, who's 14, had gotten $224.00. Uh, for his birthday, <laughs> which was neat. And, you know, of course, when you're 14, you feel rich, uh, you know, and that type of thing. Um, but I, I woke him up one morning um, to go work out, and he woke up, and he's getting ready, and he comes, and he says, Daddy, I was praying last night. And he said, I, I just felt the Lord wanted me to, to just give you this. And I, I look down at this wad of cash that's in my hand, and it's all of his birthday money. And I said, oh, son, I'm like, I appreciate it, but I promise you it's not necessary. And, uh, you know, for me, he's like, no, it is. He's like, I, I just really wanted to give it to you. I'm like, why? He's like, I already told you I was praying. <laughs> And the Lord told me, I'm like, is there anything you want me to do with it? He's like, whatever you want to do with it. And so we had some missionaries in from uh, um, China who they're going to Turkey to set up a work. We gave them $100,000 to set up that work and to to get a Bible school started and, and outreach and those types of things. And um, they have uh, five kids all under the age of eight. (laughs) Yes, Uh, like pray for them. Uh, So 
out of that, uh, I took that money and I used it uh, to take them over to Party Safari over here on Lakeland and just, you know, bless those kids and came back and told them that. And then my youngest son, who is just turned nine, uh, he got about like 80 some odd dollars. I think it was like $84 for his birthday because, you know, when you're younger, people get you toys, uh, you know, and those types of things. And um, John and Carolina, who are online campus pastors, um, just had their baby Amanda. And so he wanted to get baby Amanda a gift and John and Carolina a gift to celebrate this. So he gave them each $20 uh, and then went to the store to buy a little stuffed animal, which turned out to be a little dinosaur for baby Amanda. And he was checking out. And while he's checking out, uh, the lady's like, oh, that's so cute. Are you getting that for a friend? And he said, no, I'm getting this for my best friend's child. <laughs> because in his mind, John is our best friend. John and Car- is his best friend. John and Carolina lived with us. And they just, you know, John is incredibly energetic, played video games constantly, you know, you know interacting in that way. Uh, and so out of that, he's like, no, I'm getting this gift for my best friend. Uh, and uh, he wrote a, a note and said, Mr. John, loved you. Thank you for being my best friend. And I told my wife, I'm like, I'm killing John. Like, that's just, <laughs> that was the byproduct of this note. So I'm, I hope he enjoyed. Let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus who though he had it all, made himself of no reputation and emptied himself. Why? Well, because it fixes something in you. It kills that pride, stalls the humility. And I tell you, one of the benefits of the humility is you have a father who will lift you up. God exalts the humble, and God moves in the lives of those who walk in humility. So today, let's just all stand to our feet, and let's make a decision to live in humility. We're going to close in song. Uh, We're going to empty ourselves with our worship. And I want to remind you of uh, the card that you got. All of these cards are designed to help you empty yourself. And a lot of these things on this will cost you time. It'll empty some of your time. Some of these things on this list will empty you of some resources. Some will empty you of some pride. Some will empty uh, you of some fears, especially sharing your faith with someone. Uh, But all of these things are designed to make you a disciple of the Lord Jesus, where you're more than just a Sunday attender but you are actually diving into the depths of Christianity that make you more like that woman than like everyone else sitting at that table because Jesus really is worthy of it all. Amen and amen. So let's pray today and we'll end in worship. Father, we come before you. We love you so very much. And we thank you, Lord, today we will empty ourselves and make us of no reputation. Father, let us move over into a place where we live sacrificial. That, Father, we offer up our our bodies and our lives and our time, and we offer these things up as a living sacrifice. 
Father, we just thank you that we we come and we offer our eyes as a sacrifice, our time as a sacrifice, our resources as a sacrifice. We come and we make a decision to offer ourselves as a sacrifice. And Father, we just thank you that as we empty ourselves today, that you come and you move on us and in us in ways that strengthen us and help us be the people you've called us to be and do the things you've called us to do. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.